Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today we have Olivia Giaccio. Olivia is super incredible. She's a very young girl. She unfortunately wasn't able to make the 2018 Olympic Games, but that's not stopping her anytime soon. She's a very, very, uh, she is uh, very excited for the 2022 games. And as she said, she will do anything to make sure she gets there. So Olivia is a super cool girl. She really goes into the sport a little bit. She tells us a little bit about what she's got going on, what it was like to miss the games, uh, but how much motivation it's really given her. So without further ado, here is Olivia Giaccio. All right, today's special guest, Olivia Giaccio. USA skiing discipline moguls born August 15th, 2000 in Mount Kisco, New York, in that Westchester County area. Olivia started skiing at the age of two and started moguls at the age of 10. In 2016, I guess at the age of 16, she won first place in the U.S. Junior National Championships and second place in the, is it senior or is it just national championships? U.S. National Championships. Just U.S. National Championships. We're not throwing a senior in there. So um, second best in the country. Pretty incredible. And also qualified for the U.S. National Team that year. She won Rookie of the Year in 2017 and was 12th overall in the World Cup rankings in 2018. Olivia recently graduated from Stanford Online High School. Yes, that's Stanford. And will be attending Columbia University in New York City. Olivia was also, let's not be remiss to remember, that she was the first alternate for the 2018 winter games in mogul so olivia thanks for hanging out this day i appreciate it thanks for having me no problem at all looks like we'll be pressing the mute button a couple of times today and i appreciate was that what that was yes awesome well, thank you so that. much no you're perfect most of the time you're going to be talking so you have nothing to worry about so um olivia if you don't mind i guess let's start from the beginning you started skiing at the age of two um that means you got 27-ish years on me, uh, so I'll give you that, but uh, tell us about it. I mean, I guess tell us about your time in Mount Kisco, where you've been, and, and uh, what you've been up to. Um, so even though I was born in Mount Kisco, I grew up um, most of my early years in Redding, Connecticut, and on the weekends, my family and I would drive up to Killington, Vermont, uh, where I grew up skiing and learned how to ski and got into moguls. Uh, basically what happened in terms of moguls, it was kind of an accident. Um, so my younger brother and I uh, kind of moved our way up through the, um, the ski school program at Killington. And once we kind of got to the top of that, the ski instructor said, why don't you go across the way to the ski club, um, Killington Ski Club, and um, they can help you kind of progress from there. So my mom went over and signed us up for a random program, and it just happened to be moguls. <laughs> so that's how uh, we both ended up in moguls. Um, and I skied at Canton for a couple of years from there, attended um, KMS, Canton Mountain School, for a year. Um, and then when I was... 13, um, my family and I moved to Vail, Colorado, uh, where I spent two years on the ski team there. And that was definitely a crazy experience for me. Um, moving out there from East Coast Ice to West Coast Powder for sure was a big change. Um, and there I started skiing Rocky Mountain Regional events. And then uh, the year that I made the ski team, actually, I skied at Steamboat Springs Water Sports Club, um, which is now my home. Club, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, so yeah, that ended up uh, being 
I guess, time breakout here, and or I guess as you had said earlier, um, and no, no need to be humble. Don't worry, it happened. <laughs> nothing to lie about, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that year, I'm just trying to think back to those events that year. So we, I competed in U.S. selections, and uh, even though I wasn't on the national team along with my teammate Jalen, we both won World Cup starts. And that year I competed in my first World Cup in Deer Valley, Utah, which was amazing. That's definitely the best World Cup in my book. The crowd is electric, it's awesome. Um, definitely the most spectators we have at any sort of event. Um, I guess besides the Olympics and World Championships, but still, anyway. Uh, so I ended up making finals there, and then on the second event in the World Cup, I actually broke my back in competition. Um, so I compressed three vertebrae and had to miss the kind of the peak of the season that would theoretically qualify me for the U.S. team. So I rehabbed as quickly as I could, and my first event back was junior nationals, and um, Winning that event there was awesome because that gave me a spot to Junior Worlds the next year, uh, which I hadn't had a chance to go to in the past. And then I kind of went to U.S. Nationals without any expectations. I just wanted to really scheme and have fun, and I ended up uh, finishing second, which qualified me for the U.S. team. So that was pretty crazy and That's, pretty awesome. <laughs> that is just absolutely insane. Oh my goodness. Well, sorry about the whole back thing. Honestly, when I watch moguls, it, it hurts my back sitting on the couch. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I've told a couple of your teammates that as well. It doesn't, it doesn't look super comfortable, but clearly you guys and girls are way better at doing it than me anyway. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll just kind of let you guys do that. So you, I guess, was that so, so, well, first, actually, if you don't mind, when uh, could you just move your microphone just a little bit closer to your face? Um, yeah, sorry about that. Awesome. No, no, no. You're great. You're great. Great. Um, with with let let's let's back up a little bit. So, what I've noticed in a lot of uh, these stories that I hear, there is always one random event. Let's call it, and that being your mom just picking something it just oh. <laughs> happened to be moguls and it just happens that you're now really really good at it now to me either that means you were destined to ski um or or something the universe wanted you to ski and it didn't matter how you were going to do it um but i just think that that is just super cool and and do you guys ever just like look back on that and just be like well mom what if you picked this instead you know what would we be doing where would we be like how how crazy do you kind of realize that that event is that it is almost a hundred percent happen chance yeah, absolutely. It's pretty absurd to think about. Uh, it's always pretty funny to think about kind of how naive we were. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right, you're good, you're good. <laughs> it's always pretty funny to think about kind of how naive we were and we had no clue what we were getting into. <laughs> or at least I had no idea what I was getting into or my mom had no idea what she was getting my brother and I into. <laughs> And but. look, look where we are now. Kind of cool, right? I love <laughs> yeah. that. That yeah, is too crazy. crazy. So yeah. um, then going back to, so your first World Cup event, you had a blast. You said it was absolutely electric. Your words, not mine. And I love that. That is just super cool. And then in the second one is when you get hurt, correct? Mm -hmm. And so like what, at that early on in your career, like you finally, you know, quote unquote, made it. And then almost is taken away from you immediately. I mean, obviously that shows you have some, 
some mental fortitude and, and some some ability to keep pushing forward. But like, what was that like at the time? Like understanding, like literally the second time is it's already you, you know you're taken out for you know a significant period. Uh, it was definitely pretty tough mentally um, to kind of get through that, especially because I was really excited with how I was performing. And the day before I had made World Cup, like the, so we have qualifications and then a finals round, which is mm. the top 16 people in the World Cup. Um, and that was pretty crazy. I, I had ended up finishing 16th. So to ski the second round yeah. in front of the crowd at that night event was insane. And I definitely hadn't expected that. Um, uh, that I would say the toughest thing about uh, breaking my back that next day is just that it meant that I was missing the events kind of that I was looking forward to doing the best at that mm -hmm. year, okay. I guess. Um, I mean, I never, like, one thing people have always said to me is, oh, you're so young. Oh, you've got to work up at such a young age. But I've never really liked that because I've always kind of wanted to compare myself to, like, I don't know. I've kind of always just thought of it as an even point deal. Like, mm -hmm. age Age is just a number in a sense. Mm -hmm. Why can't I be as good as those other girls who are five mm -hmm. years older? I mean, you're there, right? Like, why? I, I never. I mean, it's always it's always impressive. Like, I think for most people, it's more of like a oh my gosh kind of thing than rather a like oh look at you, that's so cute. You know what I mean? Because like mm -hmm. you're yeah. there. I mean, clearly you're there. You deserve to be there. You only get second in the world or in the United States. It's not like it was an accident, right? Like, it's not like it was something like, it's like, oh, look, oh, that's so cute. Like, she did really well. It's like, no, like, she kicked everyone's ass. Like, get out of here. Like, <laughs> so I think it's more of an impressive thing. Whereas, again, someone, you know, sitting on their couch, it's really easy for me to say, like, oh, wow, you know, she's 16 or whatever, 15, however old. It, well, actually, how old were you 15 when you once, when you got second? Mm -hmm. 15 years old and you're second in the country at something I mean that's not a mistake like clearly, clearly you're pretty good at what you're doing so I mean no I, I totally agree with you and again it's just interesting because I uh, I spoke with Tess Johnson as well and she said the same thing like being that young and everyone she like she used it as a chip on her shoulder just to show everyone's like yeah I'm younger than you and I'm gonna kick your ass like um mm -hmm. you know so I, I always thought that that was really interesting do you take it in that kind of sense or do you just kind of lay low in the grass and then it's like, Oh, look, Hey, I'm, I'm one of the best jokes on you kind of thing. I think that would be more. It. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I probably have a little bit of a different uh, perspective on it. I guess. I don't know. It's not, I, the age thing is never really, even though I've been told it, I guess it's kind of tricky to explain, but it's, it has been the way you've said it just kind of like, oh my gosh, thing, mm -hmm. but I haven't really even thought about mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why waste your brain power on it? It doesn't matter yeah, to exactly. you. You can't just magically get older. You can keep getting yeah. better, but you're not going to magically get older. So I think yeah. that, that is super cool. So just for, for a time frame reference, is the U.S. Juniors first and then it was the national event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you went out, killed it in the juniors, and then, as you said, because obviously you were coming off the injury and you were kind of just like, hey, no expectations, you then come out and get second in the, the, just the overall national event. Were your scores comparable when you were, like, 
like I guess like when you, after you won the juniors and then you start seeing some of the older members go in just the I don't know normal event whatever the heck we're gonna call it. Did you notice that your score? You're like, wait a second, I'm better than all these people. Uh, not necessarily. It's kind of tough to compare those two events because it's okay. it's two different sets of judges that are judging okay. you. Also, mm -hmm. junior nationals isn't is not a fist regulated sorry fist regulated event. Mm -hmm. So, uh, U.S. nationals is a fist event, so you can get fist points from it and fist points make you eligible for world cups mm -hmm. so I, i'm sorry so i was talking more like on the score so i understand the judges are going to be different but you guys you've been doing this long enough that you probably have a pretty good like oh this was a x this was a y score right so like when you start seeing the first people in the event go you win the juniors and then you see the people on the the national event go out and you're they're throwing down tricks right you can you probably have a pretty good judge of what their scores are going to be right or at least compared to yours yeah i would say it's more of a comparison than thinking like this person's going to get a blank even okay. though the okay. score system is the same on is the same at every event on any given day, kind of the range of scores could be a little different, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yep. Uh, so the top person could get like a 78 one day and then win the next event the next day, but still get like a 65. Mm -hmm. it could, I mean, that's really no, no, actually. Yeah, no, 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 I understand. It's, I understand. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Long day. It's a long day. No, I but understand. But yes, you can, like, I can kind of compare myself and my scheme to theirs. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. and, that's just and, and yes, the winning that my first event back did definitely give me confidence boost mm -hmm. moving forward for sure. Very cool. I love it. I love it. That is just super cool. So then um, getting second place, obviously you're then put on the U.S. national team. Since being on the national team, what has that done? I mean, it, it seemed like when you were out in Vermont, as you said, skiing on ice, and then you moved out to Colorado and actually realized what it was like to ski on powder – and then it's like almost like each of these levels, like what, what was then the next step you took once you joined the U S national team? And like, how did you see that improve your scheme? Uh, making a national team was pretty uh, surreal. And I definitely wouldn't have expected, I guess the path that I've taken since then. I would say the biggest thing, biggest change is really just training with the national team and kind of getting adjusted to that new environment. Um, I, the, sorry, the training level and competition level of the national team is higher than regional team. So it was really cool. And our girls team actually at the moment is pretty good. And so we were the best girls team in the nation last year. So kind of having that to, or sorry, not in the nation, excuse me. We are the best girls team in the world last year. Yes, so there having, we go. Yes, having, the, having my teammates around me to push me was really good, and I was kind of a little fish in a big pond at first, for sure. And mm -hmm. it was definitely a big adjustment. And, um, and then another big change with being on the national team is that, uh, so that next year I competed almost minus two events the entire World Cup tour, which I have never done that mm -hmm. kind of scale of a tour before. I'm traveling all over the world and learning how to adjust to travel days and World Cup competition 
level rigor was definitely a big adjustment for me as well. And learning how to compete at a high level all the time, as well as just kind of figuring everything out that comes with it. And not only physically, but the whole mental piece is definitely um, taxing competing at the highest level, but it's also really really fun and Mm -hmm. yeah, amazing. I'm sure. I'm sure it's pretty, pretty awesome being able to go to all these places and, uh, you know, just do something you love every day. So that's always, um, always pretty incredible. And you definitely hit the jackpot, Olivia. You definitely hit the jackpot. Let's remember that. Um, awesome. So with, uh, you know, obviously 2016 winning, getting second place in nationals, 2017 winning rookie of the year. Congrats. Um, what was it like? What were your expectations going into 2018? So going into 2018, after uh, both of those years, which had uh, definitely been the best I'd ever competed, and um, my first full year on the World Cup tour, um, I was my personal goal was definitely to make the Olympics and to compete well there. Um, and with that being said, though, I knew that it was going to be a battle because as I said earlier, our girls team at the moment is very good. Um, so, and there were absolutely all eight of us could have, you know, it could have mixed up and been someone else on any given day kind of thing. Um, but all the four girls there definitely deserve to be there. Um, but what I was saying i guess is that um i had also learned a lot about myself over the past those past two years 2016 and 2017 2016 from my back injury and then 2017 actually i had kind of been kicked off the not kicked off but i had been i had missed two events on the world cup tour because i wasn't performing and the amount of spots that we had were cut down um on to the two Canadian tour spots. Um, so it, like I ended up making the rest of the tour at Deer Valley actually, which was pretty cool because that ended up being my first uh, super final in a duels event and my first World Cup final in general. And I qualified for the rest of the World Cup tour from there. Um, but anyways, in kind of those periods of time in which I didn't have the opportunity to compete in the time that I kind of recollected myself and figured out what I needed to do to make myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely resulted in me competing and performing better. And I knew that I was going to take those pieces of knowledge, I guess, that I had learned from the prior two years to help me um, in competing in the Olympic qualification events. With that being said, though, there definitely is nothing (laughs) like competing in the Olympic qualification events. It was definitely a different experience mentally and kind of the whole atmosphere was a a little bit different with all of my competitors as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, competing in the Olympic qualifiers, like, as you said, the mental aspect of it, like, I know certain skiing sports like the Olympics as much as it is a spectacle, it isn't really their, I guess, ultimate goal. Like, is how is it for moguls? Is it is the Olympics the pinnacle for everyone everywhere, pretty much? 
I would definitely say yes. It may not actually, it's an interesting uh, fact, but it may not actually be the very best field there because mm-hmm. they take spots by country rather than just taking from the entire World Cup tour mm-hmm. list. So mm-hmm. there are girls, say, in the top 20 who might not be invited to the Olympics. However, the Olympics is the event in moguls that definitely gets um, the most attention and yeah. kind of the general public mm-hmm. sees it, mm-hmm. which doesn't normally happen for World Cup events. So absolutely, I would say it's the pinnacle of mogul skiing. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause I know I've spoken to, um, uh, athletes on in like cross country and, you know, they said in certain events, they'll get 40,000 people and at the Olympics, they'll get 2000. So it's, it's even just something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's always interesting to me on kind of how, how it works in each sport. So, um, you know, going into it with, in the Olympic trials, like was, you know, you said the mental aspect of it was different and you said you learned a lot from the previous two years. What exactly did you learn about yourself in that time and in not competing and also during your back injury? What were the things that you learned that then it brought you to another level? Um, I mean, both years when I did come back from, from the back injury and from the, uh, from not competing on the World Cup tour for a little bit, I kind of proved to myself more than anything that I deserved to be there and where I was at. And the only person that was holding me back from performing at my best and kind of exceeding what I thought um, would be my own potential is me. Um, And a lot of that for me was a mental game. And um, I definitely truly realized that this past year I would say um looking back at the past three years the being taken out of the or not being taken out but not competing at the games was definitely the hardest obstacle that I've had to overcome Mm -hmm. but that was also the one that I learned the most from um when everyone was at the games I actually stayed I stayed home and trained by myself on a course for a month and kind of isolating myself was really uh, good for me at the time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as failure. There's only lessons to be learned. Right. And the, uh, mm-hmm. the only failure is if you don't learn a lesson and clearly it mm-hmm. sounds like you were able to. So I think that that is um, pretty incredible. So I guess um, speak as deep or as shallow to this as you'd like, but I mean, what, what 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 was that like? I mean, being at the Olympic qualifiers and actually seeing that, you know, you weren't in the top four and that you weren't going to go. Um, I mean, what obviously gut wrenching, I'm sure, is a word that can come up. Heartbreaking is another. I guess those are two words or whatever. But what I mean, what was what was that feeling like? And what was it like understanding that you were very, very close considering you were the first alternate? And if anything did happen, God willing or God forbid, um, you know, what, what, I mean, I guess I'm going to stop and I'll just let you start talking. Okay. I hope that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. So, um, that experience was definitely the hardest, I would say the hardest thing that I've ever really gone through competing or otherwise. And kind of the way it went down was on the last day of competition. Um, I was still in, in the running, um, I had to get, I believe it was a ninth or better. And 
uh, I felt good. I felt like I was skiing well that day, and I felt really good in the start gate, better than I had been in the past. And on bottom air, on a back tuck, which is like the easiest trick just personally for me, um, just a straight over backflip, I fell. And that had not happened to me in a very, or I hadn't done that in a, like, for as long as I could remember, probably since, like, the first year I started competing backflips. So doing that and kind of, I remember lying in the snow and looking at my skis and kind of the, just the massive feeling of, like, I don't even know how to explain it, kind of a realization of what I had just done to myself, not really what I had happened to me, but what I had done set in. And like, I could not believe it. It was, it was awful for sure. I, yeah, I remember <laughs> skiing down in tears um, at, I guess, what I had just done and I I remember I had this feeling in my stomach I guess like it's almost to kind of explain it it's almost like a stomach ache but it felt like I just had this kind of pain in my stomach and it had been there like right when that had happened um for the whole month and whenever I thought about it it was like a little reminder of, <laughs> of what I had done so kind of this constant thing that was weighing on my mind but it was saying it was really tough to kind of go through was an it's an understatement for sure um but I definitely used it to motivate me over the next month and ended up having my best results of the year at the first event or sorry at the first world cup that I went back and competed in but that month off not off but that month where I was training myself and watching the games unfold on a tv screen thousands of miles away was very very tough and heartbreaking and um definitely something I wouldn't wish on any any of my competitors but it definitely made me stronger and looking back I'm I honestly wouldn't I mean, of course, I would have liked to be there, but I learned quite a bit about myself as a competitor and even as a person from not having that experience. Absolutely. No, I mean, that is, that is some intense stuff. Um, obviously, I'll never know what that's like. Um, but, you know, being, again, there's no such thing as failure. I, I truly, truly believe that. The only failure is not learning something. And clearly, as you said, you learned as a skier, as a person, as a competitor, you've learned a lot about yourself. And let's not forget, you were born in 2000. And, and to most people listening, that's kind of funny because like, I remember the year 2000. So like, you're very, very young. You have so much ahead of you. And you're, I mean, like, so, so you have the opportunities ahead of you that you'll be able to do this again. And, and when it comes around next time, grab it by the horns and absolutely run with it and i believe that that's a hundred percent gonna happen and i'm super excited um for 2022 and just the craziest thing is i mean you're still the first alternate 
So that makes you the fifth best in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Mm -hmm. that's insane. Like, think about that for a second. Number five, like, dude, if I could be fifth best in any country, in anything, (laughs) I mean, like, I would take that in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? So, like, yes, obviously, um, some disappointment not being able to go to the Olympics, but at the same time, still one of the best in the world. Because I'm sure fifth best here in the United States is still, well, what? You got 12th best in the World Cup? this year right so like Mm -hmm. okay it's clearly not messing around and you know very excited um to see what happens because you're only 18 and there's so much more that you get to do so i'm excited to see when you're number one um in the country and number one in the world i think that would be pretty sweet so congratulations thank you so with uh just out of curiosity i've never um i've never interviewed the first alternate before what what is that like like where where is the line of like understanding if you're going to go or not? Like, is it, I'm assuming if there's an injury or if something happens, but what happens if, if they're over in Korea and something happens, do they fly you out? Like on a moment's notice, like how exactly does that work out? So I think it depends both by both on the sport and the country, but for us, uh, moguls is pretty much it's, the qualifications is before opening ceremonies. So um, for them to fly me out, uh, I mean, it would have happened, had to, someone getting injured would have had to happen like on the first day of training, maybe for me to make it out there. But the chances of anything like that happening are very, very, very Mm -hmm. slim. Like, and the U.S., for moguls at least doesn't send anyone as an mm. alternate to be there okay okay because yeah i have heard in other sports they do have they mm-hmm. actually send a person there um yeah. and they just aren't able to compete they can pretty much do everything but compete which mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's that's why you're there right um so it's unfortunate but but um yeah i was i wasn't quite sure how exactly that works so it's essentially you know when so when are qualifications just so we got a little bit of a timeline um for the uh, Olympics. When was Olympic trials? I don't know the exact Well, was it like December, January? Like Oh, 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 oh. So Olympic trials. So the first event was at the beginning of December, and there were seven events. One in okay. Finland, where I am now. Two in China. Um, two in Canada. And then two at Deer Valley in the U.S. And then the last event uh, before. The last Olympic qualification event, I think, was two and a half weeks before the games. So two and a half that, weeks. Or sorry, three weeks before the games. I'll give you the three days. It's okay. Um, you know, so so three weeks before the games is when you found out that you're the alternate, correct? Mm-hmm. And that, okay, so then, wow, yeah, that is that is pretty intense, I guess. Um, so there's there's only an opportunity of three weeks for anything. Um, to change. And that's just, obviously we're never going to wish injury on anyone. That is ridiculous. No. Um, but obviously yeah. things happen, you know, I've, I've spoken with athletes who got hurt the week before the games at an event. So anything that's is crazy. possible, but it's yeah. uh, it, it's very, very disappointing. And again, again, top five in the country is something top 12 in the world. That's not that bad. Olivia <laughs> doing pretty well, doing pretty well. So, um, what a 2022, I mean, it's almost 2019 as of recording, um, you know, November, 28th it looks like what Mm -hmm. like what are you doing to like 
I guess, get ready for 2022? And what are the prospects? I mean, you're in Finland right now, so clearly you're Mm -hmm. still rolling with it. Like, what do you need to do moving forward to make sure that you're at peak performance in three years and a couple months? So, uh, I mean, the biggest thing is honestly just chugging away at it. (laughs) Um, So the next three years, I will be competing on the World Cup Tour. And again, I will have to be um, one of the top four girls in the U.S. in order to be able to go to the Games. Mm -hmm. Um, And I... I definitely absolutely want to be there. And I think more so my focus going through the next three years is not just kind of being the best in the country, but I want, I want to really seriously work my way up in the world rankings. And one thing, one of my big goals while doing that is um, I really want to be pushing the women's side of the sport um, on my way to doing that through higher degree of difficulty tricks. So this summer, that's a lot of what I worked on because we had a lot of jumping camps. Um, So I'm prepared to be like, I have the highest degree of difficulty of tricks on the world cup at the moment. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to competing that and using that to my advantage. Um, as well as I, over the next three years, I really want to become a really consistent competitor, I would say, I think is another big goal of mine. And while kind of keeping how I felt when I didn't make the Olympics and how everything felt during the Olympic qualifications in the back of my mind, kind of as a consistent reminder of, what I'm going to be up against in 2021 and kind of put myself in the best position Mm -hmm. possible in terms of my jumping speed and my competitive mindset to compete my best in that final year leading up into the games and love it being the best in the one of the best in the world, but definitely (laughs) help my confidence going into that as well. I think so. I think that would be pretty, uh, (laughs) pretty impressive. So, um, on that, I guess you, so you said you have, uh, pretty much some of the most difficult, uh, what's tricks, I guess, uh, air tricks, right. Um, on the world cup tour, where is the medium of having the most difficult tricks versus landing your tricks perfectly every time? Cause obviously if they're the most difficult, they're going to be the most difficult to land. Right. And you're, you might not land, stick them exactly every time. So where is that kind of I guess, as you said, every judge is different, right? And, and every event's going to be different. But for you, where is, where is the medium of most difficult tricks versus doing slightly less difficult tricks and nailing them every single time? Does that question make sense? Yes. Okay, yeah, cool. Thank does. you. Good. Um, I hope everyone listening, that made sense for them too. <laughs> yeah. So that's also something I kind of worked on this summer. Um, in terms of on the judging side of the perspective or judging perspective, it kind of depends on the trick itself. Um, so the higher degree of difficulty you have, the like the higher end air score you'll mm-hmm. get, but mm-hmm. it kind of needs to be at a certain um, number between one and 10 for that to actually pay off. I'm not entirely sure, but it, I know it does vary for each mm-hmm. trick. Um, 
but kind of on my side of things. So I used to compete a 360 to back lay. And now this year, my goal is to be competing back full to cork seven really consistently. So back full is a backflip with one full rotation while keeping a, maintaining a straight body line. And a cork seven is kind of a, like a crunched up spin where your feet never go entirely above your head, but it's two full rotations and then you land back on your feet, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, so your body angle is kind of the ideal is, like a little above horizontal mm-hmm. your feet are a little above your head um and as well as so this summer i've been working on back full for since i was 14 now on snow so that trick i've kind of had a lot of experience and i've been gradually training it and i've competed at at several events as well so i have a little bit of experience there um, so that makes me feel more confident. And then the cork seven, um, I have a little bit of experience on water ramp there as well. Um, but this was my first year kind of doing it on snow. And I think the reason why I feel so confident with both those tricks is because this summer I also learned a harder trick called a cork 10. And instead of two spins with the cork seven, it has three. Mm-hmm. And I did that on snow. So kind mm-hmm. of being able to do that and then kind of in a sense, the cork seven is a step down in degree of difficulty. So kind of mentally, I think that that almost helps with kind of what you're talking about with mm-hmm. the landing thing, but I've honestly done so many repetitions of both back and cork seven, that I feel like I could do those with my eyes closed. So uh, Is that, I feel do you like, get more points for having your eyes closed. <laughs> That'd be sweet. That would be pretty cool, right? Just like, you know, cover it like they do in the dunk yeah. contest, just like covering your face <laughs> while you do it. That's pretty cool. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That'd be pretty terrifying, but yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is awesome. Um, okay, cool. So let's change gears a little bit. Obviously, we understand where you are with skiing. We got that. We did that. So you graduated recently from Stanford Online High School. Now, before we click the record button, you were kind of posturing and giving me semantics. Well, it's Stanford, but it's not Stanford, but it, it's Stanford. We'll just leave it at that. I think that that's incredible. So you graduated from Stanford High School. Um, you are now going to be attending Columbia University, um, and they don't have online courses. I found that out, again, well before we clicked the record button, you told me. So what does that mean for your skiing career? Like, are you only going one semester a year? How exactly are you just kind of, did you get accepted and you'll put it off till after the Olympics? Like what does that mean and how, how will you be attending that and still be able to compete on the World Cup and do everything that you need to do on this side? So that is going to be a bit interesting because I'm kind of the first person in mobile skiing at least to sort of pave this path, which is, I think... I honestly don't mind. I think that's pretty cool to kind of figure it out my own Why way. Not? Uh, so most of my teammates either kind of do that online school or kind of are waiting until after the next Olympic cycle to go to school or are doing kind of one semester a year or one quarter a year. Um, and 
I'm probably going to be taking a similar path with Columbia. I'm going to be taking it year by year. Uh, right now, I'm taking a gap year, so I won't be in school mm-hmm. until at least uh, next summer. But they do have uh, summer sessions, which is a possibility for me. But I'm kind of going to see how mm-hmm. everything yeah. works out, I guess, in the next couple of years. and kind of take it year by year, month by month almost mm-hmm. um, to kind of figure it all out. But I really, really, I'm almost glad that Columbia doesn't have online because I really want to go in person. And I think that's what's so enticing about the school it's, itself. It's pretty incredible. I've only had the opportunity to be on their campus um, once or twice. I live, you know, an hour away from New York city. So I'm able to go um, and I go there about once a uh, once a week anyway. So, I mean, Campus is incredible. New York City is like one of the coolest places on earth. It's it's the worst and the best place yeah. all wrapped in the one. It's so much fun, but it's um, amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. But I think that that's, that's really interesting. And I'm just kind of curious. I mean, the nice thing about college is you can set your schedule up, right? So like, I'm sure because they understand what you're doing, there's a way that you can get your classes. Okay, let's just load up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That way, Friday through Monday, you know, are you are you able to go up to Lake Placid? Is there any type of mogul? Um, training up there. I mean, it's far, but at the same time, you got to do what you got to do, right? Because I don't, there's nowhere in New York City that I'm aware of that yeah. you're able to practice. So, so actually, you guessed correctly. And I, so there is a water ramp facility in Lake Placid, and that would definitely be potential for me to do in um, the summer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as you said, load up on classes at one side of the week and then um, go up there on weekends and be able to train kind of and get almost Mm -hmm. as many repetitions as I would normally um that unfortunately wouldn't work for the fall or the spring semester because um the fall uh we have big camps um such as we had a month-long camp in every year in October in Zermatt, Switzerland. And then obviously in the spring semester for the first couple of months, we'll be on the world cup tour mm-hmm. competing. Um, but I don't know, as you say, you never know. I never know what's going to happen. So no one knows. Also, by I the way, summer classes, fall, but <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty cool. Yes. Especially first semester, fall semester is, it's pretty incredible. Everyone's there. Everything's new. Everything's awesome. But just to let you know, Summer classes, I don't care what anyone says. They're way easier in my experience. So <laughs> load up on summer classes. Do everything you can there. Do like two semesters in the summer. Get your year done. You'll be much happier for it. So congratulations on that again. I think that is incredible. Thank you. Paving a path, doing some stuff. I mean, obviously, what, what's going to be your major at Columbia? I'm not entirely sure yet. Something humanities-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really quite sure what I'll be doing with that major. But uh, I definitely like... Uh, government or philosophy, English, journalism. Mm-hmm. Not really sure yet. I'm excited to explore a lot of variety there, though. Yeah, being able to read and write and talk are three pretty important things, and it sounds like that's the direction you're going to be going in, and, and there's a lot of jobs you can get with one of those skill sets, so I think that mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. So uh, last thing I do want to talk about, only a couple minutes left, um, volunteering and giving back. I noticed you know, you sent me over your website, which will be in the show notes, just as along with all your social media profiles as well, um, but I saw that you had a section specifically on volunteering and giving back, so tell us what that means to you and what that um, you know, what volunteering and what giving back, um, 
has done for you, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, over the past couple of years, I've been involved in a number of, or I've been volunteering through a number of organizations. Um, Most recently, I've been with uh, Nuzzles & Co. and the local food bank in Park City, Utah. And um, in the past, before that, I've also um, served on the Rocky Mountain Freestyle Board. So the regional, uh, the Rocky Mountain Freestyle region, I was an athlete representative and kind of communicated the athletes' needs from the athletes on the region, in the region, excuse me, to the the board members that um, help run RMF. And then I was, I also, um, when I lived in Vail, was a member of, uh, YLC, the uh, Eagle County Youth Leadership Council. So that was kind of a similar thing as the RMF board, but um, kind of for the broader community of Vail. And then I was also taught uh, elementary school age kids how to read at my local library. And I've enjoyed doing all of the above. It's definitely so much fun. Um, I really enjoy my time volunteering and it's definitely um something that's really good for me especially um now that I'm not doing school as well kind of to have a broader perspective on everything else that's going on um kind of in my community in my community in my skiing community and uh in local public schools and kind of what's around me so I think it's another way kind of to broaden my perspective and my worldview and also kind of figure out what I'm interested in to see if I'd uh, kind of like what I'd like to continue um, doing volunteering or I guess as a job kind of moving forward mm-hmm. in my career and one thing I definitely want to do um, moving forward I think is become more involved in the youth in my sport. Um, I think that would be pretty cool to start uh, coaching younger kids um, and kind of act as a role model, I guess. I think that would be a really neat thing. I actually was, um, when I was younger, I trained for a summer in Park City before I actually moved there. Mm -hmm. And for a week, I uh, was coached by Troy Murphy, who went to the Olympics last year for Moguls and was my teammate for a couple of years. But being a really, I was 13 at the time, maybe he was 20, but being a younger kid and having that to look up to, kind of him giving me all the inside pointers and <laughs> and kind of taking me under his wing, even though it was only for a couple of days, it was a really cool experience. And I love to be able to give that back as well that is super cool yeah i've always noticed um the more you give back the more you appreciate um Mm -hmm. and and kind of i mean i get enjoyment out of it i get happiness um just seeing that you can easily affect someone's life with just a little bit of your your time um so i think that that is pretty impressive so and and then yeah to your point i mean at a very young age, being to, being able to work with and be coached by some amazing athletes. I mean, clearly, uh, again, just giving back and you get to practice while you're doing it, right? I mean, what the best way to learn is to teach, I think, or the best way to get better is to teach. So, I mean, why not, right? Like teach, teach all the youngins and as you say, the youth 
even though, you know, you're 18. I think that that's kind of funny to say it like that. Um, you know, I think that that's pretty cool. So awesome. Um, Olivia, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. One more time, Olivia Giaccio. Giaccio. Okay, I'll say mm-hmm. Olivia, this is the sound. Olivia Giaccio. Yes. <laughs> uh, USA Ski Team moguls looking ahead to 2022. Amazing person. Pretty soon top 10 in the world. Love it. Olivia, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was fun. <laughs> Thank you guys and girls so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Olivia. As I said, she is super cool. She's got a lot going on and she is not going to let anything stop her anytime soon. So if you guys don't mind, make sure to follow her on her, um, hello, in the show notes. Follow her on her socials. Everything is in there. Uh, Please follow us as well at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter. Unfortunately, I couldn't get the same for both. A little frustrating, but we'll get over it. Please rate, review, comment, share, subscribe, do anything that you need to do to get this out there. Obviously, Olivia's story is incredible, but all of these athletes that I've been able to interview have some pretty amazing stories. So if you guys don't mind, tell your friends about it. I think it's pretty cool. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day.